Wednesday, the 4th of March. I'm Randy Coure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. Thank you for the download. Uh, we have another roundtable to present, and uh, with me are my two partners in crime, Tony Antonio and Dan Legere. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure. Hi. Hello, hello. <laughs> So, uh, Daniel, this is uh, the first time you're making a return appearance uh, to What's Up the Sports podcast. How has your life changed uh, now that you can be found on such uh, platforms like Spotify? Has your family looking uh, looked at you with uh, reverence and grace, as I'm sure they have all these years? But is it at an elevated state now? It's funny you say that. I actually had to introduce myself to my family just last week. They forgot. They forgot all about me. I had to reintroduce myself and. May I also commend you on making a quasi-ramble reference there by saying it's my inaugural return. That's like saying it's the second, it's uh, First Blood Part 2. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, uh, I, I, tried to, I tried to give it as uh, much a zing as I possibly can. Of course, Tony has uh, been uh, there uh, in terms of making uh, several appearances, which I'm uh, really, really grateful towards. And, uh, you know, let's have, uh, let's have a great uh, show today. Uh, but first things first, I do have to uh, do a little bit of housekeeping. And for those of you who uh, didn't catch our 2019 year in review show, uh, the three of us compiled uh, the best events that took place in the world of sports, of course, in the past year. And Dan and Tony both criticized me in terms of uh, my selection of the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup. Thought I'd put it on Facebook. Uh, trying to prove these suckers wrong, and as much as 8% agreed with me. So, guys, this is your time to destroy any dignity that I have left. Uh, so, uh, your time to actually just say, Randy, you are a fool, and uh, you should uh, just destroy any sort of credibility that you had as a sports enthusiast. Yeah, I, I think that you do that on your own, so I wouldn't worry about that. Um, yeah, but outside yeah, of that, we're really, you know, we're, we're in this together, Randy. We're here to help you out, and if you make mistakes, it's our job as friends and co, uh, co-workers here or uh, co-hosts to, to, you know, just uh, steer you back onto the right track. We know that you got the knowledge and the skills and all that sort of loveliness behind you. Well, every once in a while, you go straight and you say something stupid like in St. Louis winning the Cup <laughs> was a Canadian sports moment. And that's okay. We corrected you. The audience uh, supports Tony and I in our, uh, in our thoughts. And uh, we'll just sort of leave it at that. Yeah, it goes without saying you're a fool, and um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Right? We know, and we tried to help you. We tried to talk you out of it on the air and during our little messenger chat, but you weren't listening. So you put yourself out. I give you credit for sticking to your guns, so I will give you credit for that. But yeah, it was an idiotic statement. <laughs> well, I guess somebody has to hit rock bottom before they actually improve themselves. So uh, for that, I am grateful for the both of you, um, I think. So uh, with that said, our uh, year in review show was on January 6th. And as we get together, uh, essentially two months after the fact, here's the following things that I jotted down that has taken place since we last got together. So essentially, uh, Christine Sinclair uh, scored the most international goal- goals in uh, soccer history. The uh, Canadians women, Canadian women's team qualified for uh, both uh, the uh, for basketball and soccer in the Olympics. The Raptors notched a 15-game winning streak. Masai Ujiri potentially is rumored to go with the 
Knicks. The NBA All-Star Game was uh, actually competitive. Of course, the Houston Astros and their sign-stealing scandal. Montreal may get their baseball team back. Uh, Reese McGuire was caught masturbating in a parking lot in Florida. Uh, Tom Brady was linked to the Vegas Raiders. Kobe Bryant passes away in a terrible car accident, let alone the fact that uh, Alfonso Davies had a great uh, match uh, in Champions League against Chelsea. And of course, 42-year-old Zamboni driver uh, is now the most famous hockey player in the world, notching a win against the Toronto Maple Leafs, the company that he is employed with. Guys, did I miss anything? Just one thing, you said car crash. It was a helicopter accident. Oh, did I say car? Oh, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I apologize greatly for oh, that. Oh, we're off to a, we're off to a great time. Yeah, uh, I'm really uh, doing a great job in redeeming myself, aren't I, fellas? That's it. Baby steps. You pretty much nailed it all there. It has been eventful. It has really been eventful. And we're definitely going to chip away at uh, a number of these topics here. Let's start with the NHL. And it was quite a night at Scotiabank Arena as the Carolina Hurricanes were in town. And of course, uh, the unthinkable happened where both uh, of Carolina's goalies were injured and the NHL did have a plan in place. And that was having a practice goalie suit up for the Carolina Hurricanes. And of course, he does have a relationship uh, participating in practice for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was a great story. Uh, here is a guy who uh, actually did go through a kidney transplant. But uh, to get things first, Antonio, why don't we start it with you? Uh, David Ayers is taking the NHL by storm. Uh, your general thoughts on what took place? Well, I was there. You know, I was working that night. And, and while I'm in the middle of serving, free pouring, I guess you want to call it, getting people hammered, I, I'm noticing out of the corner of my eye what's going on. I already knew James Reimer went down, and then when I saw Morazic just make the most asinine decision I've ever seen a goalie make uh, in, in a long time, I, you know, one of my covert workers walked in, and, I, and I'm like, I think the Carolina Hurricanes might have to use, like, their assistant to the travel secretary to play a net here. I don't know what's going on, but I, you know, so we're, we're looking, we're looking, and then all of a sudden some guy comes out, and I'm like, yep, I told you. And so it, but it was really cool. This is like what the third or fourth time something like this has happened um, in, in the hundred-year history of the National Hockey League. And it was so cool, and being a part of it was actually awesome. Like being there live and listening to the crowd, you know, like their team, but at the same time cheer this dude on. Um, you know, I immediately started going through Twitter, and and his wife is tweeting out fuck me and like capital letters and exclamation points and I don't want to tell you what some of the responses looked like but uh, it was fun I, I you know it was it was a very enjoyable night to be a part and be a part of it was so, Dano, I, I guess the first question that comes to mind is that this is the first time and I, I think that there is an there is no other experience like this where uh, somebody is essentially pulled out from the crowd to play in a professional match is that something that is of concern uh to you uh as of course and i'd love to hear your comment as well in terms of what exactly took place at uh, at scotiabank also but is this uh something that the nhl should be reviewing can i jump in for a second quickly sorry let me jump in quickly we got to be clear here like he wasn't pulled out from the crowd Uh, he was he's there for that 
so yeah, the, the, obviously Tony is correct. Like it was, the, it was, he was in the legal position to be the next person. He was like the uh, designated survivor or whatever you want to call him. Uh, but the, it, it, if it's not the you know perfect Hollywood story, I don't know what is. Like this is this is Mark Wahlberg becoming the lead singer of whatever band he was, or Mark Wahlberg walking onto the Eagles uh, field to become their kicker, or. Mark Wahlberg taking on uh, Transformers and nobody thought that he could. Um, but, but, you know, to, 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 to me, Tony provides the correct response. You know, he was there. It's a lovely story. It's a heartwarming story. It's, uh, you know, it, it's history. It's all those sort of magical moments. But as a Leaf fan, watching that game was, you know, the most, you know, up and down roller coaster ride that anybody could have in a 60-minute hockey game where, this is a game A we needed to win. We got uh, we got the one nothing win, so like things were rolling. Both goalies get knocked out, and then you know the, your first thing is, is just put the puck at the net. This is a forty two year old guy who's employed by the Leafs, paid by the Leafs. Just put the puck on net, and there's no way that you can't win this game. Uh, Tavares and Engel score back to back on uh, the, the two first shots that Ayers face, and you you know you're thinking that we're just going to ride this you know to to an eight four win or whatever it is, and everything's going to be fine. And then in classic Leaf fashion. They start to play like shit, and they start to, you know, fail the goalie or to, to fail their own their own team, and, and start to, uh, you know, play into Carolina's hands. And you know, all credit should go to Carolina for playing the way that they did. I think they won that game less because of David Ayers, more because of the way the team played around them and completely shutting down the Leafs uh, and limiting chances and then quality shots on net. Uh, but it was like uh, it was like Rocky Four. You know, we wanted the guy to die a terrible, terrible death when he came to the game in the second. And then by the beginning of the third, middle of the third, you started rooting for the guy. You started rooting for Rocky in, in, in Russian territory on Christmas Day, and then you wanted to see him win, and it was uh, and it was spectacular. And you know nobody loses in this kind of fashion more than the Leafs. You know, uh, we talked about uh, May 13, 2013, Game Seven against Boston, the first round and our first time together, uh, and that was a spectacular loss that that the, that the league named Game of the Decade because it was that entertaining. To not only see the Leafs lose the way that they did, but you know to to have that game end the way it did. And this one is the same thing, where people loved that the Leafs were the part of the jokes. I think it made uh, it gave the story more fuel. The fact that it was Toronto, which is great, uh, and I love that you know he got the key to the city, and they had the Bears days and all the sort of uh, you know good stuff that came out of it. It feels like the 15 minutes is up now, but maybe that's just from a Toronto fan point of view. Maybe Tony can, uh, can you know, yeah, no, I think I think the hot. I think the Hockey Hall of Fame thing that happened, I guess, on Friday was probably it, right? Like, he, you know, his stick went in and see ya, get, get back to practice and uh, take take some shots. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm happy that you it know. happened, but I'm, I'm glad that it's over sort of thing. And, and you know what? Here we are a week and a couple of days later, and it turned out to be what's looking like the shot in the arm that, that the Leafs needed because they've won four straight since. And they've looked good, and they've beaten some pretty, pretty damn good teams in that stretch. So, you know, maybe it's yeah. turned out to be a good thing for them. But I think, it's, I think it's three, right? Three. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's three. He's been, yeah. been Jekyll and Hyde all season long. It's, you know, they're, they're the most inconsistent, uh, undependable team that you can ever imagine. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, I hope that this is sort of the talk about hitting rock bottom before you can get better. I'm sure a lot of those guys were embarrassed beyond repair. Saturday night, Sunday, and into Monday, you know, text from friends, watching you know, what's happening on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, again, as a Leaf fan's point of view, I hope uh, that this sort of is, is that kick in the ass that the team.
team needed. Uh, but as the, as the story, as an isolated story by itself, I think it's, uh, I agree with Tony. It's, 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 in the end, it's all wonderful. It's all good. And there's no need to change the rules because of it. Just sort of uh, you know, enjoy it for what it is. Dan, uh, now, as you were talking uh, about uh, there is no losers in terms of the uh, NHL and, uh, you know, this is a win-win story and such. Now, I, I, I definitely see where you guys are coming from in terms of uh, that he was assigned as the third string goaltender for either team. What does this say, though, about the credibility of the NHL that this is the last case scenario towards uh, having a person like David Ayers, come in on Hockey Night on, in Canada on a Saturday night? Well, they, they, they've talked about this because it's happened before. They, they, I think it was Lou Lamorello almost demanded that teams carry a, a third-string goaltender. Every team carries them and he travels with them. But the costs of that are just uh, not feasible for the amount of times this actually happened. And I like it better that it's just some nobody who's got no, uh, no, no business being in the league. It makes for a it makes for a better story, and if Car- I don't even even imagine if Carolina lost that game, that they would have a lot of gripe because what are the chances that two goalies go down in one game? It's just one of those things, and you know, and, and what the hell are you going to do about it? Yeah, I mean, they kept they kept encouraging the guy, you know, just just have fun with it, just enjoy it. I mean, that's that's all we kept on hearing from the Carolina players, and um, you know, I think from a team perspective, it would be like, who is this guy? Just hanging out with us on the peripheral, you know, making seventy-five, $80,000 a year, that idea has been kicked around. So what, what exactly would you have? I mean, if anything, I would say maybe have a guy younger, maybe a university goalie, you know, somebody playing in the CIS or whatever it's called now. U-sports. U-sports, Tony. Nights. Sorry? U-sports. It's called U-sports. U-sports. Yeah, see? Me don't care. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I mean? Maybe something like that. But um, just leave it to the NHL to find a way to, you know, like someone like Brian Burke. I mean, God love him. I love Brian Burke. I love listening to his stories. But leave it to him or Ron McLean to find, you know, some kind of negative in it. Such a great story. Where the NHL is a league that really needs it. And look at all the attention the league got. I mean, it overshot. You know what happened on that same day? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Ovechkin Alex scored. Ovechkin scored a seven hundred three. That's right, and actually, it took me uh, a couple of extra, like an extra day, to actually realize that that happened, yeah. and then posted on the on the social media. Which, by the way, you could follow at What's Up Podcast. That's with one P. Twitter and Facebook. Give uh, us a like if you haven't done so already. However, uh, you know, to that Tony, like as you mentioned, that uh, player uh, that uh, Burke McLean are crapping on the story of David Ayers uh, you know personally I, I, I do think it's a great story and I, I do applaud the uh, Leaf fans uh, for cheering on David Ayers and uh, you know uh, giving him an ovation uh, as a star of the game uh, personally I don't see it much of a difference as a position player pitching in baseball because if you remember Jose Canseco he uh, blew out his arm uh, when he was uh, relief pitching for the Texas Rangers, uh, that obviously didn't work out well. And they continuously do that all the time. And you could see uh, the lack of skill position players have as a as a pitcher. Now, the NHL uh, uh, general managers meetings are taking place uh, as of right now in uh, Boca Raton. And they said that they are not immediately uh, taking a look at, quote-unquote, improving the state of uh, this David Ayers 
uh, it matter uh, of uh, you know changing it up where they have a more quote unquote skilled goaltender. I don't know how what the best way is to uh, to surmise it, but uh, do you find that a surprise uh, that oh, the NHL is no, not? They should. Sorry, sorry, to interrupt. I'm just yeah. saying. No, good. They should. Let's be real here. If this thing was happening at the Nassau County Coliseum on a Saturday night between pick a team between the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders, do you think it would get the kind of play that it was been getting? Well, I don't know because I mean the fact is is that this did happen uh, with the Winnipeg Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks, and last time I checked, the Chicago Blackhawks are one of the top teams in the NHL. So yeah, yeah and, but well, how were we treating that story? We were treating it like the John Scott story it was a great story. It was wonderful. Not once at all did I hear, oh, they got to do something to change this e-bug rule. I'm sorry, uh, John Scott. You cannot compare John Scott to David Ayers. And I'm learning what e-bug is. Right. Yeah, I, I don't really know what that is. The Leafs, uh, the Leafs could use some e buds. <laughs> but I mean, you cannot put David Ayers and John Scott in the same category. I'm sorry, John Scott is. What I'm saying was when, when I think his name is Foster, the guy in Chicago. Thank Scott you. Foster, that's right. When when it happened with him, nobody was saying we should change the the rules, right? No, like it Valid. was a great story. It was like the John Scott story. This wonderful. And hell, even the John Scott story, the league wanted to, you know, we're telling him not to go play in the game. But because this happens in Toronto on a Saturday night, and it was an important game to the Leafs, that, you know, it, it's no coincidence that, you know, two of the biggest heads for Rogers NHL package, you know, Ron McLean and Brian Burke, were talking against it. Let's be real here, you know, because if the Leafs are not in the playoffs, Rogers is screwed again, right? So they're going to go on their tangent and 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 try and find some kind of negative in, in having this guy come in. I don't think it's embarrassing for the game at all. I, I really don't. Dano, anything you want to add before we move on? Yeah, I, I think it's silly that uh, that anybody would be upset about this story, and I think it's uh, I think it's embarrassing for the league that they did it, that they even entertained the idea that this was a problem. Like, like like Tony was saying, the, the John Scott story, they completely handled the wrong way in my estimation. And this is from a league that cares so much about credibility that they're talking about, you know, doing the draft in the fountain of the Baraggio and having the draftees on a boat from the stands to the stage. Like, the, if that doesn't scream cheese, lack of credibility, you know, and all the sort of Mickey Mouse stuff that they do day to day to try to appeal to an audience that, you know, you're not going to win hockey fans by not showing hockey. You know, and showing that regular guys can play and you know, making it accessible that way is probably a good way to, to, to sort of market the game to middle America and places in the States that, that otherwise don't care. Uh, you know, fighting is, is, on, is on the decline and it's really not a part of the game anymore. It's still obviously allowed by the rules. Uh, but, you know, that sort of, uh, you know, rock'em, sock'em, NASCAR uh, vibe to it is, is not a selling point anymore. So, you know, maybe you go the, you know, you go the everyman and then show off the guys that are exemplary at their skill, like McDavid and Matthews and Crosby, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, so I, I think the story should just, uh, you know, lay where it is. So let's just, you know, look back on it fondly and uh, move on and look forward to the next time it happens in 20-some-odd years. So, uh, guys, uh, there was another uh, topic of uh, hockey that we might as well uh, tackle now, 
And uh, there has been discussion of the NHL taking part in the Olympics. Of course, from 1998 to 2014, NHL participation uh, did take place and not uh, in the 2018 games, which was in, uh, of course, Pyeongchang, South Korea. The next games, of course, in 22 are in Beijing. And there is a possibility that the uh, NHL will take part. So if I was an owner, I'd be furious. I, as a fan, I love the NHL taking part in the Olympics. I don't really know what the right uh, right answer is. But uh, guys, first of all, if they're going to get back into the Olympics, the NHL, I don't see a reason why they remove themselves from South Korea because if there is an economy that is thriving that has a, a you know some very affluent people it's definitely in uh, South Korea I, I I think that they completely uh, missed a great opportunity now of course uh, whether this is relative or not in terms of the uh, NBA and their fractured relationship with uh, with China guys uh, in terms of the Olympics, let's take it a step back here. What are your thoughts in terms of the NHL and should they participate in the Olympics? Tony? Of course. Of course I want to see it. It would be a damn shame if we don't get a chance to see Connor McDavid, you know, not playing for a gimmick team in, you know, Team North America playing for Canada. It would be a damn shame if we don't get to see, you know, the previous generation's best player play with, you know, the current generation's best player. It would absolutely be it. But I get it. I, I get the business side of it, and I actually understand, you know, maybe once upon a time when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, this is good. They don't care about the fans. But the reality is the NHL was getting nothing out of the deal, literally nothing. So now the discussions are starting to be about, you know, certain rights, certain this. I mean, can you imagine being the commissioner of the NHL, you know, Gary Bettman, not being able to show you know, Olympic highlights on his broadcast because, you know, he doesn't own the rights. You know, those things matter, so I get it, and I hope they figure it out. But I'm like you, I'm torn. Like, I want to see it happen, but I totally understand why um, the NHL has said, you know what, screw you, Uh, you know, come to me with something better and we'll let our players go. I I guess Unfortunately, the players really, really, really want to play. They really want to go, and that's, you know, that's the shame of it. Well, I guess there's a couple of things to that, though, is that, well, there's been uh, however many Olympics between 98 and uh, 2014, but obviously 98 was the uh, the first experience with Gretzky in, uh, in Nagano, Japan, and then, of course, 2002, 2010, 2014. Of course, this country was captivated because Canada was in the gold medal game. There was 2006, and... What I am wondering is, at the end of the day, Dano, do you think that the, uh, the NHL does have a sustainable increase in uh, uh, viewership because of the Olympics? Oh, boy, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know much about the economics of this all or, or how the, the NHL benefits long-term or not. I've never been a fan of NHL players playing in the Olympics. I've never been a fan of NBA players or uh, you know, professional soccer players, I think that they're, if they're, because there's not a best-on-best best tournament, there's a big uh, fail on the NHL's part. Uh, and then hockey in general, I don't, to my mind, I don't know why Gary Bettman and uh, Rene Fissel 
they'll sit down and create some sort of Champions League system where the best from Sweden and Russia and the NHL come together and have a, a late summer or early fall tournament. Uh, that would be the opportunity for me to go global to really show off the skill. You know, Tony, Rand, you guys are both big soccer fans, so you know that the World Cup is not necessarily the best soccer because it's a bunch of guys who don't play together, who don't know the systems. It's really just skill, and which is great. So best on best, you get really entertaining games. You get a lot of fun. You get you know the best guys doing some crazy you know, tricks and scoring some uh, some amazing highlight real goals. But the quality of the game is not the way that it should be played. It, it's not uh, tactical. It's not strategic. It's just kind of you know firepower, firepower. So I would uh, you know I would I would just ignore the Olympics altogether. I think uh, you know bringing in professionals takes away from the amateurs, which is what the Olympics is based on. You know, so picture you're a skier or a, you know a curler or a, you know, somebody else who doesn't uh, live in the top four major sports or, or live in that world or work in that environment. You know, and all you do is work your ass off to get to the Olympics because that's your one place to shot. And then Connor McDavid and Crosby and Dan Coaster on one line on the same day that you're going for your gold medal. You know, you just you can't compete. It's uh, it sort of uh, it ruins the spirit of the Olympics. And it, and it takes away from athletes who deserve that stage to shine. You know, when these guys have their own stage eight months out of the year and then the best-on-best tournament every four years or something like that would be wonderful for the game. But, you know, I think, Dano, I think where uh, I have an issue uh, is that, and uh, granted, curlers do not make a heck of a lot of money. Um, however, uh, people like swimmers do. And uh, Usain Bolt, who uh, obviously was one of the most famous athletes in the world, there are a number of athletes who are professionals who do take part in the Olympics. So, yeah, sure, they're not LeBron James and they're not uh, Sidney Crosby and so on, but these are professional athletes now. And but really, I, but it's, the Olympics is the only place where you can, where a global audience can see those sports. I can't see a track meet that, that's happening in, in Jamaica, or I can't see, uh, you know, curling is, is quasi-big in, in Canada, but, you know, and I'm sure it's, it's big in other places as well. But, the, but there's no one global stage for these guys or girls to all come together and compete. And, and, and that's the point. So that's why I'm saying if you do a Champions League-type uh, tournament with hockey, a global one, you know, what, what better stage is there than that? You don't need the Olympics. You don't need the ring. I get that it comes with a prestige to win a gold medal. But, you know, that's not the avenue you chose. You want to you wanna stay amateurish and go to the Olympics, great. If you want to make millions of dollars and go professional, you know, and, and you know, Usain Bolt made most of his money because he became the star at the Olympics and through endorsements after the after the fact. So it, this is a platform for the Phelps and Usain Bolt to be catapulted into superstardom. That that's what the NHL's for. That's what the NBA's for. They have their they have their people. They have their stage. I think it is a good question to ask, especially the two of yourselves. But because, uh, Dano, you did mention and uh, uh, brought as an example in terms of World Cup soccer. And in terms of the international program of soccer, which is obviously uh, the most uh, prestigious in the world, you have the World Cup, uh, which is uh, happening in, uh, in 22. But this year, Euros are taking place. So you do have every two years with respect to the other continents, but there is a defined program in terms of every four years, you have the Euros. Every four years, you have Copa. Every four years, you have World Cup, uh, CONCACAF, etc. How come the NHL can't, uh, sorry, how come uh, the International Hockey Federation can't do that? 
because the World Cup was in 16 and then in 04 and then in 96 and then in 91. It's not consistent. So I really wonder how alluring... NHL event, though, right? Those are NHL events. So, I mean... The, the International Ice Hockey Federation has their world championships every year. Which sucks. I mean, it absolutely is garbage because it's during the NHL playoffs and it's... Uh, and that it's garbage, but you, you go down to Switzerland or wherever the hell it's held in those European nations and, and they absolutely love it. They have a blast there, right? Yeah, I mean, you're not getting best on best, but you're still getting pretty good players. Okay. Whether it sucks or not, like the quality-wise it does, but, you know, it's well-attended and it's well-enjoyed. But I agree with you 100%. The NHL has botched the whole tournament thing. It has, nobody else. And it's funny how, like, every, every three years, the NHL... Something. Tony, every three years, the NHL seems to make a statement where we don't have enough time to pull, to pull a tournament together for 2021. You know, so what the hell are you guys doing for the past six years? <laughs> and it's, got it's got everything to do with the collective bargaining agreement. It's, it's, it's going to be used against the players because... You know, there's an opportunity to open up the, the CBA talks again, right? And that's all it is. It's ridiculous. You know, I worked the World Cup of Hockey in 2016. I had a blast working the World Cup of Hockey. And so I was there every day. And the memories, the stories, the facts, like just watching how it all unfolded. And I said to myself, boy, I really hope this thing comes back in four years. I hope they don't fuck this up. You know what I mean? And guess what? So, uh, Tony, uh, I guess I could speak for Dano. Uh, when are you going to set us up with tickets, bro? For what? The World Cup? Well, you know, <laughs> whatever. We're not picky. Oh, want to go. It's coming this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it, it remains to be seen in terms of what uh, the powers that be in hockey do in terms of having a consistent program. Are they going to go to the Olympics? Of course, a decision has not uh, been made yet. So, guys, let's go over to uh, baseball. And, of course, it's been a very interesting year in the offseason for Major League Baseball. Of course, the big story is the Houston Astros, who were implicated in a sign-stealing scandal uh, during their uh, World Cup, uh, sorry, World Series uh, championship of 2017. One of the uh, coaches of that squad, Alex Cora, who did go to the Boston Red Sox, and uh, they are now tied in with some form of cheating. Uh, This all started from one former Houston Astros player, Mike Fires, of course, who uh, blew the whistle on uh, what had, in fact, took place. So suspensions uh, were... uh, Strong in terms of uh, the manager of that World Series team, A.J. Hinch, as well as the uh, general manager, Jeff Lidnow. But there were no suspensions in terms of players. First things first, guys. uh, Did you think Major League Baseball did the right thing in not disciplining any of the players? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. This whole thing is just a fucking shit show. It, 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 it honestly turns my stomach. It, I'm hesitating because it's probably the worst analogy I can make, but the, but ML, the MLB made a, a, a Carla Homoka type deal here. They let, a, they let a killer get away. And I can't believe that they did this. Like I've never hated a Houston Astro more in my life than I do right now just because the arrogance and the cockiness and the, you know, we're going to come out and beat everybody. I hope they throw it to their fucking head every game. These guys deserve it and they... And it's not implicated. They got caught. It's done. They, the only reason the players didn't get suspended is because they ratted everybody else out. So, you know, these guys want to talk about integrity of the game. They want to talk about 
Bregman used to talk about, you know, baseball polices itself and everything takes take care of itself. So then, you know, taking care of itself means that these guys don't play anymore. I'm sorry. That may sound harsh. It may sound like I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. But it's ridiculous. And I agree with the Dodgers. They got robbed. The Yankees got robbed. The Red Sox got robbed. Uh, you know, Aaron Judge got robbed. Whoever was in, you know, everybody got robbed because of these guys decided that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna outsmart everybody and implement this ridiculous system to to, to cheat the game, and they ended up winning a, a World Series out of it, unfortunately. And we can't do anything about that because even if you strip it, you know, it doesn't take away the the dollars that they won or the, the impact that they made on the community, whatever it is. But you know, it, it's such a soft penalty, and, and it's it really is disgusting. And this is you know, it's a massive black eye for the sport in my mind. You know, Tony, the one thing that uh, kind of jumped out in my mind more than anything else is uh, a number of players have voiced their displeasure and have actually shown uh, a lot of rage towards the Houston Astros. I don't know, maybe I'm being cynical and thinking this way, but the first thing I thought was how many other teams are cheating, maybe not to the degree of the Houston Astros, but have some sort of underhand schemes uh, that they haven't uh, been uncovered yet. Listen, I think everybody tries to figure out what your signs look like. And, 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 this, and I remember the dude in the white T-shirt at center field at Rogers Center, allegedly. You know, that, that's one thing. But to have an orchestrated, computerized, like, you know, you have the Dr. Ho patch under your uniform, zapping you, you know, that, that's a different level, man. That's that's just next level. So, you know, I'm like Dan. I'm I'm dumbfounded. I don't even know what to say. Like, I mean, Rob Manfred had basically had the audacity to say that you know, well, we could have suspended some players, but we knew that an appeal was going to come our way, and that was going to be it. So basically, he said, I didn't want to take on the union, so we decided not to uh, not to suspend any players. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's mind-boggling. But I, I think, you know, the one thing that uh, I kind of wondered is, and not that I uh, don't think it's a bad idea or anything, but do you, in fact, suspend the entire team? And I mean, by doing that, I mean, as it's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe you could call up a triple A team and they could assume the Houston Astros for a season. But no, it, um, you could have taken the World Series away and that would have devastated. That would have been enough for them. I mean, would you agree, Dan? Like, you take that World Series title away from them, there's their penalty. Yeah, listen, the, the City Ad did it right, you know, for once Italians, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, no, no, Not sure where you're going, Daniel. <laughs> when Juventus got caught in their cheating. Okay, gotcha. Okay, here we go. I relegated for two, for two seasons. Yeah. Right. A lot of guys just stuck around and, and they kind of worked their way back. But that, that was a big financial blow. It's a big blow. You know, the, the whole world sees that, that you're cheaters and you're labeled cheaters. And you can earn your way back because you're not going to dissolve the team. The problem with the MLB is they don't have that kind of system. It's like you said, you can't bring up a AAA team to fill that spot. Like the Houston Astros have to stay there. So, you know, do you, do you suspend the entire roster? I, I, I'm not sure what the rule should have been or, or could be. That would be fair to, you know, because some guys maybe weren't involved, some guys were more involved, so you know, the penalties are going to fit the crime. But, there, you know, there had to be a show of never mind the union. You know, if, if we're a family sport, if we're America's pastime, 
know, we're teaching kids about, you know, family values and uh, the essence of hard work and dedication. You know, we stick to our guns about keeping Pete Rose out of, out of baseball because he bet on games, or we don't let Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame because they cheated. You know, so, so what are we telling here that, you know, cheating is okay as long as, what, you win? As long as, you know, you get away with it? And, you know, it's, 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 it's a really, you know, elementary school argument. It's, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like someone finding out that, uh, you know, you cheated, and then you get mad at them because they went through your phone to find out you cheated. It's like, well, no, you committed the crime. You know, we found out, and, you know, you got you, there has to be a penalty. Now, Altuve's got no penalty, Bregman's got no penalty, Correa's got no penalty, and, you know, so so what are we saying here? What, does, what the hell is the point of, 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 of all these, you know, systems and rules and games and spring training and drafting? What's the point? If you could just pull together a system where you can cheat the system and, and win. Well, I... I think I think too that though, I I and I'm not I'm, maybe I'm giving uh, Manfred too much credit here, but what in fact was the penalty of Michigan's Fab Five, because the lead guys on the uh, on the the star players of that team, of course, Jawan Howard, Chris Weber, uh, Jalen Rose had uh, extensive NBA careers. Jalen Rose and Chris Weber are qu- quite visible as uh, retired. Um, analysts on uh, various NBA programs uh, you know you take away a World Series I don't know I mean I think these guys are still going to get paid well, we live in a world where or live in a society where people are supposed to be forgiven we're not we're not casting them out into the ocean because they cheated at a baseball game you know they, they got families or they're, they're people at the end of the day but you know you want to take it seriously and I know that the president of the sport has been, has been set you know, if a guy like Michael Vick can get back into the game, if a guy like uh, Ray Lewis can get back into the game, and if, if guys like the Houston Nationals can continue to play after they've done what they did, then, you know, the sky's the limit. And unfortunately, we're probably never going to stop them. Um, you know, it's just a matter of if these teams get caught or to what degree the public deems it offensive or not. Uh, so, it, you know, there is no black and white. There is, there is no line. It's very great. It's very all over the place, and it's open to interpretation. Uh, but you know, this one seems like it should have been a Lance Armstrong type of penalty where you know you're you're gone. Sharapova, you know, you effectively ruin your career by banning you for two years. These guys are going to go out to make the same salaries that they did. They're probably still going to be a decent team because they didn't win just because of the cheating. Like they they do have skill, and it just it has to infuriate you know the the fans of, uh, who aren't in Houston, teams like the Blue Jays or the Pirates or the whoever is sort of, you know, struggling just to sort of get by and compete, trying to do it honestly. Uh, so I don't know. And maybe I'm just, I'm being overly harsh on one team. I know that you guys mentioned it. I'm sure that a lot of teams do try to skirt the system. Uh, it seems like all pro sports teams in Boston specifically have uh, had their hand in some sort of cheating scandal at one point or another. So I don't know. But, uh, you know, there, there, there should have been. Level, though, just, I've never seen anything at this level before. Like, and it's, you know, it involved another team too, right? Because the guy who was supposedly the head of you know the cheating ended up going to the other team who won the World Series. Now we don't even know what's happening with Boston yet because they're still on the clock, so to speak, by Major League Baseball. But I mean, I think these guys should be allowed to play the game still. Like, I'm not not saying you can never play the game again, but show some remorse. Stop acting like, oh, it's us against the world. Don't give me that shit when you're being interviewed. You know what I mean? Like, tell me that, you know, you're, you're extremely apologetic for what happened. It's 
embarrassing when your owner says, oh, it didn't affect the game at all. You know, those are the things that get on my nerves. I think you're right, Randy. Who do you suspend? You know, how many guys do you sure. suspend? Where does it go? But I think if you take that World Series title, it, that's about as damning as you can do to a team, to a, you know, that ring, that, that championship. I mean, I think it'll forever be looked at as an asterisk, but, you know, when you, if you officially vacate it and say there was no champion that year, you know, it, that, that's damning enough. I mean, you can play the game the rest of your career. You'll, you'll be the guy who, you know, didn't win. Didn't win the World Series. I mean, you were there. You played for it. You, you hoisted the trophy. But no, it didn't count because you cheated. Well, it definitely uh, puts a, uh, a stain on the uh, on a World Series uh, championship. And as a fan of uh, any team, of course, the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox, uh, who, who knows what will happen as uh, as we march on. And it'll be definitely interesting to see when uh, baseball season starts. Very quickly, guys, I do want to talk about what is happening uh, east of us along the 401 and is there a possibility that the Montreal Expos or the city of Montreal will get Major League Baseball back? Of course, the Tampa Bay Rays have been in a uh, poor situation uh, since essentially day one. And there is a possibility of them splitting uh, the regular season between uh, St. Petersburg and the city of Montreal. Guys, Forty uh, the the possibility of forty uh, games in Tampa and forty games in Montreal doesn't seem like the greatest idea, especially if you're a member of that team. But I guess whatever uh, whatever happens, whatever needs to take place for Montreal to get their baseball team back, I'm sure the people of Montreal uh, are definitely uh, for it. It's a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the stupidest dumbest idea that I've ever heard. I mean, it's not like Montreal fans were coming in droves prior to them losing their team anyway. Um, but, you know, uh, to that, Tony, I mean, of course, it was a different time and that they, uh, whether it's an excuse that the uh, 1994 and that they were the top team in baseball and then the strike happened, uh, whether you want to um, make that a valid reason to not go to those games. But they were supporting those Blue Jays preseason games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I just, either you give it to them full time or, I, you know, the split thing. I just, logistics and what do you put them in a compound while they're, while they're in Montreal? Like, you know, why does Tampa Bay get the playoff games? I don't know. It seems like a dumb idea to me. It's just not going to work. You remember when, when the Bills played a few regular season games here in Toronto? It, they're, the NFL and Toronto sports media in general thought that it was a home run and this is a win and eventually the team's going to move here. But the whole point of having a team is that it's your team. It, it, it's it's your team. There's, yeah. yeah, like, like I, I, if Matthews and Marner and Nylander get traded tomorrow, guess what? I'm still going to be a Leaf fan. It's not about, it's great having the stars, it's great having the players. As a Penguins fan, I'm sure it's, it's amazing having Sid and Malcolm to watch for a decade and a half. But at the end of the day, the I team is a team. As a Bills fan, I thought the Toronto idea was atrocious. It was horrible. I refused yeah. to go into that stadium to watch the Bills play. It's not the same. Yeah, so if you're a Bills fan, the whole point is going to Buffalo and experiencing the tailgate and being in that in that arena. Like it's, it's your it's your home, it's your it's, uh, it's your rink, it's your field, it's your city, it's your people. And then all of a sudden, you kind of go into Toronto, and it feels like a road game. It feels like 
feels like an exhibition game. Like, and there's no there's no passion behind it, which is probably ninety percent of the reason why people follow sports in the first place. It's less about uh, you know who's playing and more about you know it, it's us versus them. You can't really develop that if you're splitting games both ways. So if Montreal really wants a team, you know, God bless them. Let's uh, let's do it. I'm not opposed to Montreal getting a team. I obviously don't know uh, the ins and outs of the lease uh, that the Tampa Bay has, Rays have with Tropicana Field, but it seems that this is a uh, dress rehearsal for them to eventually move to Montreal full-time. Now, apparently the lease, I think it's uh, ironclad until 27, 2027. And think about Oklahoma City. They hosted the New Orleans Hornets when Hurricane Katrina happened. They were in Oklahoma City for, I think it was a season and a half, or I I, I don't recall. And then the Seattle Sonics moved to Oklahoma City. It could lead to something. And But let me preface by saying, this is a stupid idea. If I was Kevin Kiermeyer, that, okay, I have to go to Tampa, then I have to go to a completely different country, and let alone the fact that this is an area that speaks a completely different language, I would be incensed. I Kiermeyer, as, and I can tell you firsthand because my girlfriend's a big fan of his. Uh, <laughs> 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 Montreal for Kevin Kiermeyer would probably be a time. Would absolutely be a time. I didn't know that I was going to uh, strike a nerve there, Tony. I apologize. But... Love to be Kevin Kiermeyer in Montreal in the summertime. Hmm. Why, why is your girlfriend a fan of Kiermeyer? Just because of his looks? Well, she finds him hot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my, my wife used to love Sheldon Sury. Oh yeah. Well, that guy. Yeah, he's a man rocket too. He's a good looking. <laughs> Actually, my wife, uh, we, uh, her, her top is uh, Serge Ibaka. We actually went to Square oh. One Shopping Mall, and he was doing a cooking show, and uh, we had tickets. My uh, Three of my in-laws were there as well, and he actually shook uh, my wife's hand. He actually was on his way uh, out. He like addressed the crowd. As he was on his way out, my wife was along the aisleway for him to... Uh, uh, walk to uh, the uh, the next spot on his uh, tour there. He actually stopped in his tracks just to shake my wife's hand. And believe me, I was pretty nervous, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. I was uh, I was looking for some support. Yeah, listen, we all have our fantasies. Do you remember when we uh, taught, had that topic of best female athletes when we were doing our podcast, uh, our, our radio show at uh, Seneca? You remember who was on that? Uh, oh man, I I think we were talking about Katarina Vitt, and we were talking about Anna Kornikova. Do you guys remember this? Katarina Vitt might have probably been my choice. I'm guessing. I'm guessing she would have been my choice. Like I was, yeah, yeah. Daniel seems to be keeping quiet. I I think uh, this. Uh... <laughs> His wife might be listening. The Mrs. All right, fair enough. Well, you know what? That uh, I don't know how we uh, got on. Well, you we were originally talking about baseball, but uh, let's. Well, uh, I was thinking about summers in Montreal. I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. Hey, well, uh, actually, well, to that point, I just finalized that I am going to Montreal for the TFC game. And Tony, I know I had a conversation with you personally uh, once upon a time. It's uh, the 22nd of August. 
uh, I'm going to be going. And hey, if you guys uh, go as well, uh, I mean, I'm not going to buy your ticket or for your pay for your hotel. I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, it's a great time. Daniel, do you go to a lot of TFC? I know Tony is a season seat holder. Uh, do you go to a lot of TFC games? Uh, I used to go, uh, but only because friends of mine had season tickets, and they had them actually right behind the Toronto Met, which is which is graded about ten or twelve rows up. Uh, but I only go when uh, when one of the Paisans came. <laughs> um, August twenty second, you said. August twenty second is uh, Montreal in Toronto, and you know what? Like, say whatever you want. It is an intense rivalry, and it is, obviously, it's not like the Leafs and the Canadians, but. If you watch your P's and Q's, and if you just are there to uh, watch the game, yeah, there, you know, you could uh, hoot and holler and so on. But as long as you're respectful, for the most part, I mean, my friends think otherwise. But I mean, I've never gotten into any issues. Yeah, they're not jobs right here. Yeah, it, it's pretty intense. But anyway, let's uh, let's talk about that uh, another time. Oh, by the way, of course, uh, season o- uh, home opener for uh, Toronto is. Uh, Saturday, the whatever that date is, seventh, I think it is. Yeah, the seventh. Uh, both Tony and I are going. So, uh, Tony, and we'll see you there. Buying me a crown royal, you said. Yeah, I'll do it. Whatever. <laughs> Alcohol is fun. So let's uh, take it to the hard court, guys. And the Ra- Toronto Raptors did go on a 15-game winning streak, which did start the day after our last uh, podcast between the three of us aired. Uh, now, having said that, hate to be a Debbie Downer, but four of those games were against 500 uh, above 500 uh, teams. Is this team built for the NBA Finals? Damn, you want that first? Uh, probably not. You know, it, 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 somebody made a good point on the radio today or a few days ago where you put this team up against, you know, if you go horse for horse, if, you know, if Siakam is your guy. Which is great, you know. He's playing well above expectations and he's playing amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch him play. But you know, one to one, could he beat Giannis in a seven-game series, or Embiid, or uh, you know, Jimmy Butler? I don't know. I, 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 it doesn't look that way. This team is really fun to watch, and they've got a lot of heart. They got a lot of uh, tenacity. Uh, they got more skill than people give them credit for. Um, but I don't. Uh, I can't envision a long playoff run this season. I think they're good enough to get to the final. I, I, I don't think we've seen this team healthy all season long. I think there's been like maybe a handful of games, if that many, that we've seen them all healthy. Like the rotation that Nick Nurse wants to use. I think in some ways some of these injuries are, are a blessing for the Raptors come playoff time. Because I think they can go 8-9 deep with guys who will give you different looks. And they're playoff tested. I mean, I don't know what it would look like when they end up playing. If they get to a final and play a Laker or a Clipper team, you know, because you have those elite guys. And I'm not saying Yanis isn't, but I think a guy like Marcus Gasol, if he's healthy, he makes a difference for your team offensively and defensively. And then he doesn't score a lot. It's just the way he plays his position there and distributes the ball and then He's just a load in front of the basket. It's very difficult to score when 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 he's healthy. So I, I think they're good enough. I mean, I think we're kind of doom and gloom because we've been watching this team, you know, sputter the last few games. And listen, you don't pick the schedule, right? I mean, they didn't plan to play pick the teams they played, but a 15-game winning streak in any league is pretty damn impressive. 
Of course, the architect of the uh, Toronto Raptors championship is uh, Musayu Jerry, who has been MIA lately. Of course, uh, he uh, was uh, extremely visible uh, when the Raptors first started making the playoffs. Now, he did go to Africa with uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, but he has not done a lot of media. He has not has been seen at uh, at games. Is this a does this mean anything? Like, is this a possibility that he is softening a potential blow to leave the Toronto Raptors? Of course, the big news was that uh, Ujiri was being rumored to be swayed over to the New York Knicks, amongst other teams. Could Masai Ujiri's uh, time be numbered? Inevitably, it will be, whether it's at the end of this season or not. And it's not even just because uh, you know the team isn't as maybe quote-unquote good as it was last year, but, uh, you know, you look at him as a man, a man of his ambition, a man of his talent, and a man of his ability to bring people together and to, you know, make real change in the world. It's only a matter of time before he goes on to bigger and better things, which, which he should. We should all, you know, encourage him to do that. Um, you know, I'm not even convinced that he's going to stay in, bay in, in basketball for the rest of his life. I don't see him as a lifelong uh, upper management guy. You know, I, I really see him branching out and doing more stuff with maybe within politics or the community or spending more time in Africa doing, you know, what he loves over there. Uh, so I don't know. So short answer is uh, I don't see him being for that much longer. Um, but uh, it, 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 that's it. I kind of mumbled my way through the end of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me see if I could try and uh, help you out there, Dan. <laughs> Oh my goodness! No, I, I can't do it, Tony. Uh, can you uh, can you help me out here? <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm still trying to uh, decode that. But um, honestly, I, I think Dan's 100 percent right. Whatever he just said, uh, <laughs> he, there's bigger and better things out there for Masai Ujiri. And I, you know, I don't know how much longer he needs basketball to build his um, you know cachet and these things. I mean. You would think that, okay, well, he needs basketball for that because that's where he makes his name, but I think he's past that, right? Like, I, mean, I think it's a bigger thing. The, the popular belief that uh, of him going to New York involved, you know, like the proximity to the United Nations and, and, and the reach he can have, you know, in a place like New York, which obviously isn't happening now. But, yeah, I, I agree with Dan. There's something bigger on the docket for a guy like him and... Um, He'll find his way there. Uh, you know, he's been grooming Bobby Webster, and, and this, this could very well be his show, and maybe everybody can get to know who he is finally. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with transportation being what it is, like uh, playing for the Knicks or playing for the Washington Wizards, I don't think it makes much of a difference. I mean, it's a one-hour flight to Washington, so I mean, it's probably even less than that to go to New York. So from from Toronto, so I, I don't. I personally, if I had to uh, put money on it, I don't think he's going to leave the Raptors to go to another team, especially when things are on the up and up the way that they are. Talking about the All-Star game, guys. Now, if there was one sport where uh, the All-Star game really, really uh, uh, decayed, I guess, in terms of its excitement level for me personally, was the NBA All-Star game. I mean, hockey is just as... uh, uh, difficult to watch. Of course, this year was completely different. Now they did change uh, the format. It uh, did involve uh, a fourth quarter that was perhaps the best basketball that people have seen in a long time. And uh, of course, that they, uh, with the uh, sudden passing of Kobe Bryant, that they did tie in 
uh, Kobe uh, to uh, the All-Star Game. The MVP trophy is named after him. The uh, winning team had to get to 24 points uh, in that fourth quarter. Is this format sustainable? Do you see that this is uh, a way for the All-Star Game in basketball to be more competitive? I don't watch All-Star Game. So I, I, I watch the highlights of this one. And, yeah, I mean, it's great watching these guys, you know, step up the way they did and compete. But I don't know. Like, I, I chose a long time ago not to watch All-Star Games. And I certainly chose a long time ago not to worry about how to fix an All-Star Game. Good time off for me from, from watching our basketball. So, yeah, it might as well. I mean, here's the thing that I hate is constantly trying to fix something that's meaningless. To me, it's the epitome of just stupid, right? I don't know. Like, well, I mean, like, uh, to, uh, now, sorry to interrupt, Tony, but I mean, I think that there is something to be said about showcasing your sport like the Olympics, for for example. Now, I know that there is something tangible at the end of the road, and that being a gold medal. But this, like you and I especially, uh, you know, and Dano could uh, definitely uh, attest to this as well, that we grew up in a time where the NHL, uh, where the NHL All-Star Game, of course, basketball wasn't uh, in Toronto uh, when we were kids, but it was an event to take part in. And maybe this was something where which uh, the All-Star Game can sort of uh, rejuvenate itself and actually be uh, a hot ticket on the calendar. What do you have to rejuvenate it for? It's for kids. Just, you know, yeah. Well, based on what? Joy- based on what? I mean, like, it was an incredible because, game. Yeah. Like, uh, that fourth quarter, at least. It's, it's, it's an exhibition game. It's for kids. The, 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 the Pro Bowl is probably the worst one to watch. Hockey is a close second. Baseball's all-star game is pretty good because you can't play the game any other way except throwing the ball and hitting it. You know, you can maybe take some, some heat off or some spin off, but really the, the game's got to be played that way. But just maybe they should try playing the all-star. Maybe they should pl- try playing the baseball all-star game Houston Astro style. No, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Have everybody steroided up and, you know, banging on trash cans and let's, uh, let's hit some dingers. Okay. Yeah, so... I, I, I would just leave it. You know, it, 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 it does what it does for the community. You know, it brings kids in. It, it, it's a nice feel-good story. You get access to players that, you know, you wouldn't otherwise. Keep it the traveling road show that it is. Don't overthink it. For, for guys of our generation to get upset that they also give me shit, we're wasting our time. So I, I guess uh, I know the answer to the question when I say that baseball did have the uh, winner of the All-Star game have a home field advantage for the World Series. Now, uh, that's not really possible for the NBA All-Star game because it is a mishmash of uh, players from different conferences taking part in the one uh, uh, the one team. But I'm assuming that you guys think that that is uh, more of a horrible idea than, say, Montreal and Tampa splitting the uh, season? Do you remember why baseball implemented that rule? Well, yeah, because of the tie. Yeah, so they, they fucked up one All-Star game and they had to make it up. <laughs> It's ridiculous to give home field advantage based on who wins the All-Star game. Uh, but uh, but I know that the spot that they were again, and it makes it quasi-entertaining for, again, you know, people 25 and up. But for kids, they don't care who has home plays. And I don't think the guy who plays for the Baltimore Orioles, who represents the Baltimore Orioles, gives a shit about home field advantage in the World Series. 
but I guess it's that element of having something tangible to play for because the three of us know I mean it is an embarrassment I mean to say that it is for kids I mean I could I could kind of see that but I mean this is a showcase event that maybe people who don't follow the sport on a regular basis can potentially watch but they see that garbage and it is uh, one reason another reason why people will stay away from uh, that respective sport having said that the fourth quarter of that NBA all-star game which I'm assuming that uh, neither of you had uh, watched it was really really competitive I mean Lowry was taking fouls and uh, sorry charges and of course if he uh, walked away with an injury and he was out for two weeks then uh, of course I'll be singing a different tune but there is I think uh, something now can you imagine an NHL all-star game where you know, uh, McDavid and Crosby are uh, going at it. And obviously I'm not uh, accounting for injuries, but, th- you know, have an, uh, a game where it is the best on best and you actually get to see the best skill uh, in that respective sport. No, uh, you know, no, no. You no. get to see okay. this, uh, no. on a nightly basis. Yeah. You're playing with guys you don't play with. Sorry, sorry. Uh, 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 Dana, no, no. did you want to? Did you want to start first, uh, Tony? You can so, chime in after. Think about the, you know New Jersey when when New Jersey was really good in the nineties and the early two thousands. They were good. Why? Because they had the best skill. No, they had some some really good talent, but it was a system, and that and that's what wins games, and that's what uh, makes championships. The Raptors didn't win because of their offense. They won because of their defense last year, and they're winning because of their their defense again this year. They've got some offensive talent. But shutting teams down is their specialty. So getting Stamkos and Crosby and McDavid and McKinnon on, on the same team, you know, they all play the same game. So that sort of, so you're not even getting a true representation of what the game is. That's not best. Going back to our argument about the World Cup, because it's just it's just raw talent, which is exciting and fun and fast and, and furious. And you know, and you would love to see Marshan bite somebody's hand in an All Star game. Sure, it'd make for a good story. <laughs> Amateurs to play against the best there in the world. Have, have David Ayers versus John Scott 
in yeah. a shootout competition. Yeah, God, can't wait to Talking see that. Talking about one. that. Yeah, exactly. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. Dano and I are going to continue to beg Tony for tickets to the uh, upcoming event. We will be back after this. If you're a sports fan who may not be able to go to the game but want to experience more than just watching your team on TV, check out what Homestand Sports is organizing. Homestand Sports brings fans from neighboring communities together with live panel discussions with athletes and sportscasters to watch parties of the big game. Perfect for sports enthusiasts like yourself. With the major sports covered like soccer, hockey, football, baseball, or basketball, you'll have a blast with the events organized by Homestand Sports. For upcoming events potentially in your area, check out homestandsports.com. Welcome back to What's Up the Sports Podcast. Time now for Parting Shots. We did this on our January 6th episode. And uh, just to take an opportunity to uh, spend a few seconds on a topic that is near to us. Starting off with Tony Antonio. Well, my message is simple. My Parting shot: The NBA really has to do something about their flopping. Uh, LeBron James a couple of games ago, it wasn't the previous, the one before that. I don't know if you guys saw highlights of it, of that horrendous flop. Game against game. Memphis, yeah, I saw it. You're, yeah, it was against Memphis. It was, was it John Morant? I think it was no, him. it was uh, Dylan Brooks, Canadian, I believe. Oh, was it? Okay. Whoever it was. It was one of the most embarrassing things. You are the face of the league, you piece of garbage, and you pulled that. <laughs> NBA has to change the rule because you see it way too much. That's, just, that's not what you want people looking, watching. And you talk about fixing the All-Star game. Forget the All-Star game. Fix that, NBA. Please fix that. LeBron, you're better than that. Don't be an idiot. Dan LeGerry. Uh, well, how do I follow that? Uh, just, just to maybe give a, a quick uh, preamble to my party shot. Uh, you know, we, we talked about in the last podcast how we met each other at Radio College. Um, so with that, uh, you know, I don't think it's any surprise that someone in that position would be a media observer uh, and, and follow not only the, the sports in, in a town, but also you know, the players on the media side who, uh, who get paid the big bucks to talk the big, uh, talk the big game. And my parting shot today is, is directed at that one, uh, Sid Sixero from the Fan 590 at Sportsman and Tim and Sid. Um, <laughs> for people who, who follow... Uh, people who know when they had their when they started on the score years ago, a decade and more ago, they they were two guys. Tim and they were they were regular guys, real guys. They were funny guys. They were likable guys. And, and as their star rose and rose and rose in the, in, in the media world, uh, Tim seemed to really perfect uh, or, or you know take serious the craft of broadcasting. And he's become uh, he's become great. I, I think that uh, you know he's, he's well researched. He's well spoken. He's well thought out, but his partner said, I've never seen somebody's ego take a hold of somebody so hard and so desperately to appeal to who I don't know, to, to spout off the nonsense that this guy does. And every four years claim that if you don't watch league soccer, you can't watch the World Cup because you're a fake soccer fan. And this fake outrage and this attitude and this look and this cockiness and this bravado that he thinks is sexy and I don't know what... It's, it, it, it's tired, it's, it's old, it's, um, it's embarrassing, frankly. You know, 
I don't know him personally. I know his brother Alex, and he's a sweet guy. And I'm sure Sid's a really nice guy as well, you know, <laughs> off the camera. But you know, the, whatever shtick he's built up in his mind needs to be stopped right now. And, and I know I'm in no authority to say that, and um, but it's it's embarrassing. And and, and, I, and I hope that he stops it. I hope that he, he sort of like gets back to his roots uh, of becoming a broadcaster and entertainer and somebody who's, who's looked upon as the as a legitimate voice in the sports and hockey community instead of this joke that he's becoming and he's going down the road of, uh, of Don Cherry. And, uh, you know, that's me being an asshole. And next time we do the podcast, I'm going to go after Jeff Merritt. So just... There's <laughs> another game. I think he doesn't like Sid Sixero. <laughs> so, uh, guys, uh, my parting shot uh, has to do with, essentially, uh, the NCAA and college basketball. In a... Uh, with a tie-in of the uh, state of society as a whole. And we live in a time where opinion is heavily scrutinized and public perception can either make or break an individual or organization. You may need a second to remember or Google Mahmoud abdul Rauf, but he was a point guard from Louisiana State University under his birth name of Chris Jackson and had a successful run in the NBA Jackson then converted to Islam, became Mahmoud Abdul-Ruth, and had made such stances as protesting the Star-Spangled Banner in the mid-90s, which most people say blackballed him uh, a couple years later in the NBA. So after seeing the likes of Colin Kaepernick, I for one was uh, quite surprised when Rauf's alma mater retired his jersey on the 29th of February with Kaepernick present as a guest this in the predominantly Republican state of Louisiana. I'm not really prepared to say that LSU's position is right or wrong, but I am wondering if this is a step in the right direction, that perhaps our neighbor's political views or religion, sexual orientation, or anything polarizing doesn't have to be agreed by us, but just simply accepted. Mahmoud abdul Rauf said he wouldn't have changed anything from his beliefs uh, politically and otherwise, and it seems LSU accepts him for it. Guys, I just want to thank you once again for uh, joining me on this podcast. It's, it, it really is a treat. And, you know, uh, the fact that uh, we're doing this when we hasn't, haven't physically seen Dan LeGere in 15 years. Uh, and, uh, you know, this, I think it has been uh, a really great time. And, uh, I think we're bringing it back to 2004. I think we got, I, I think we could do this. I think, you know, spitting chiclets, I think they, uh, we can give them a run for their money. What a great podcast. <laughs> you guys uh, know that Chris, uh, close. Sorry, Tony, you're breaking up. Can you, can you repeat that? Maybe he can. No, he can't. I think I, to I, I would strive to be a better podcast. I wouldn't strive to go back to 2004, but, uh, Emotionally, I'm right there with you, brother. <laughs> As we uh, try and find uh, Tony, uh, we, uh, Dano and I are still uh, on that search to get uh, legit tickets. On behalf of Tony, Antonio, and Dan Legere, I'm Randy Kure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. Hey, social media, if you haven't uh, started, uh, follow, give us a follow at What's Up Podcast. That is with one P. And we'll talk to you next time.